Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know, and you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 251 of Sorta Awesome, and we are so happy to be back in your earbuds this week. We did take last week off, and I also reminded you all last week that it is a very exciting time for Sorta Awesome Media around here as we have released our second podcast out into the world. So now in addition to sort of awesome on Fridays, you know, we'll still be creating these hour long shows for you to hang out with us every Friday as we have done for the past five years. We're not going anywhere. But if you just need a little bit more of a boost of awesome on the daily, then we would love to have you come check out our second podcast, which is called Awesome Today. And in Awesome Today, you can hear my husband, Kyle, and I just have some light and breezy conversations helping you to have well, something to think about. Maybe you'll laugh. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll just have something that you can bring up in conversation around the dinner table that night or on your next date night or whatever you have going on. Maybe you'll pick up something from our conversations to take into your day. Now, one thing I do want to say, because a couple of people have said to me that they are like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can commit to a daily podcast. And you guys, Nobody has to commit to anything daily. I don't have a daily podcast that I listen to, that's for sure. So we want this to be more in the style of like talk radio, where sometimes you catch it when it's on and, you know, sometimes you don't. Don't feel like you have to go back to the beginning, although if you want to, you're welcome to. Right. <laughs> it's supposed to be like, you get it that day, you get it that day. And if you don't listen. Exactly. You know, I treat the daily from the New York Times a little bit that way. Yeah, I listen totally. to it when I can, but if I don't, I rarely go back and listen unless somebody has said, oh, you have to listen to that episode because who can keep up, Meg Tees? I know, I know, exactly. So we would love to have you listen daily. Again, even if you have something you're like, you know, I could use somebody keeping me company, giving me something to think about while I'm doing the dishes in the morning or walking the dog or 
Some of us, our commutes are coming back into play. Some of us never stopped our commutes because we know we have lots of awesomes that are essential workers in various fields. So just we're hanging out with you. And again, it is that daily dose of awesome. And we would love for you to join us. It's in all of the podcast apps, Spotify and Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, all of the places. So come check us out. Well, you got to hear her lovely voice already here on episode 251. Kelly Gordon, hello. And how are you? I am good. It's like I can't help myself. I have to insert. I'm just hoping that all the awesomes know that about me right now. Like, here I am. I'm already contributing in Meg's intro. Well, I will tell you what. I am sure that all the awesomes were cheering to hear your voice again. It's been a little bit of a minute since you've been with us. Your life has been pretty busy the past, you know, whatever, six weeks, eight weeks, however long. Life has been especially keeping you really busy in the newsroom at your day job at Minnesota Public Radio. So I'm just so glad you're here. How are you doing? I am so glad to be here. I think I'm doing better now. So many of the awesomes have been very sweet and kind to send me messages or whatever and say, I'm just thinking about you because the pandemic was one thing. That was one level of crazy. And then George Floyd happened. And that was right also at the very end of our school year of everybody finishing things at home. So it was a really crazy end of May, beginning of June. It was people in our newsroom taking buyouts. They were trying to keep us from having a lot of layoffs in the news department. And they actually did do that. We had a lot of company-wide layoffs just a couple weeks ago, but none from news. But that came right in the middle of all that too. So we lost all these senior people. It was crazy. So I feel like once we kind of got over the biggest, biggest hump of it, and there wasn't any more fires starting nightly, and there weren't other protests around the world. And Meg, I have this really distinct memory where I worked all weekend. We did a live show from 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. on that Saturday night of that week. Wow. I got up Sunday. I went right back to working, doing live shows, booking guests. And Sunday afternoon, I was like, I'm just going to log off for a little bit and take a shower. And when I had come back, I was like, what's happened? They're like, oh, a semi truck just drove on the bridge and like tried to go through a crowd of protesters. And I'm like, mm. are you kidding me? Oh and of gosh, course, yeah. we all know now that was a complete mistake. I mean, horrible, horrible mistake. It all ended as well as it could have. But at the time, it just felt like it really is the final season of Earth, our life on it. <laughs> you know, like yes. what else could happen? So it was so crazy. And then we got past all of that. And I think I slept a lot just to try to process everything and put it away in my brain. So now we're kind of into more stability. It's nice. I'm really happy to be here with the awesomes because this is my favorite place to be. Oh, well, thank you. And again, I know that all the awesomes are cheering. You have been missed. So we're so glad that you are back this week. So we have a lot we're going to talk about. We're actually, Kelly and I are doing a part two of a show that we did earlier this year where we were inspired by some really great wisdom from the Hangout group. Things that we wish we had known sooner, things that we wish somebody would have told us about. So we had so much inspiration from the Hangout and the Awesomes that we thought, let's do a part two of that episode. So we're going to cover so much ground on that later in the episode today. But first, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. You guys know this is the moment in the show where we take a little time to stop and talk about whatever is awesome in our lives this week, whether it is a book or a TV show, maybe it's a movie or a podcast, a product, whatever is making life a little bit more awesome. Usually I let my co-hosts or my guests go first, but Kelly, I'm so excited about my Awesome of the Week. I'm going to go first. You should. <laughs> If you know me at all, if you've ever met me, if you have ever, you know, had, podcast. <laughs> yes, 
then you could probably guess that my awesome of the week this week is the musical Hamilton in film version on Disney Plus. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I have been waiting for this day. I actually never dreamed that this day would come, Kelly. I knew that there had been a filmed version with the original cast and there was rumors like, oh, it's going to come out on PBS or this or that. There had been rumors for years of how we might be able to see the original cast. I had no idea that it was going to come to Disney Plus, which, by the way, I had been a holdout on Disney Plus. Did you guys get it when it first came out? Oh, yeah, we got it right away. So many people were getting it. And I was just like, another subscription. We have all the (laughs) subscriptions. We have more entertainment than we could possibly ever hope for. However, then quarantine happened. And about a week into quarantine, I was like, you know what? We're getting Disney Plus. Yep. $7 a month looks pretty good to save a little tiny sliver of your sanity. Absolutely. They should make that their marketing tagline. (laughs) That was a lot of alliteration, actually, as it came out of my mouth. It really was. Nicely done. So anyway, here it comes to Disney+. Plus. You guys know that I have been a fan of the musical Hamilton when it came across my radar back in, I want to say it was early 2016. The musical came out 2015, I think, is when it premiered on Broadway. And so I have loved it ever since. My friend Tish Oxenreiter and I did an extra awesome all those years ago, back in, uh, I think it was actually in June of 2016. We did an extra awesome on it. I love that musical so much. I feel like, don't we all know? Maybe you don't know. It's the Lin-Manuel Miranda written story of Alexander Hamilton, one of our nation's founding fathers, who doesn't usually get a lot of, you know, he doesn't get a lot of playtime in the history books. When Lin-Manuel Miranda read his biography, he was like, this guy is the most hip hop man who ever lived. And so he created a whole musical inspired by Hamilton's life and put it in the context of modern music, very hip hop inspired for sure was really super intentional in creating a cast, which was just filled with diversity. Of course, Lin-Manuel Miranda himself is Puerto Rican, but was really intentional to bring in people that are Black, that are Asian, that are Latino, just all of the things represented on stage. It's hard to even know where to start. And I'm not going to go and retrace the old ground of what this musical means to me, because I've already talked about it a lot on this show. (laughs) But to be able to see it, Kelly, to put to sight to be able to see with my own eyeballs, (laughs) the faces and the performances that I have is like so ingrained in my mind was just as magical as I would have hoped that it was. To see the way that it was staged and the staging of it, the stage is really super minimalist, but what they are able to do through their performances, they don't even need anything on that stage. It is just so incredible. Such powerhouse performances. To see their facial expressions, especially in act two and as it gets towards the end of the musical where it's extremely emotional, extremely intense, really heavy stuff. To see the faces of the actors and actresses. I was just like, I've listened to that soundtrack countless times. I literally could not even tell you how many times I've listened to it. But it's like experiencing it all over again for the first time to be able to see the performances was so magical. And there's this moment at the very end of the musical that I was not expecting right before the lights go out on the stage. Can I say magical one more time? (laughs) You can. This is the time to use it. Use the magical word. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense that it's on Disney Plus because, of course, Disney is known for their Disney magic. So it's a good collaboration in that sense. But yeah, that has to be my awesome of the week. I loved it so much. 
And you never saw it on stage, like all you've done up to this point. Because I have a lot of friends who have been super into Hamilton, who did see it on stage in different performances, sometimes multiple times. And so even for them to say, I learned so much more about this musical. I saw so many more details because I didn't have to just look at the big stage. You could rewind it. Right. But yes. You could say, Wait, I want to take that in or I didn't see that person in the background, that sort of thing. So everyone, I have not heard one single person this weekend, anywhere on social media, say that was a dud of a video. Like now there's <laughs> right. some people who are like, is it okay for me not to like Hamilton? Like, it just doesn't resonate. Oh, with sure, me. sure, That's sure. That's totally fine. But people who like Hamilton really loved the video version of this and feel like it was really well done, which is so hard to do. Do we ever agree on anything anymore? So to have this be, it felt like that uniting moment. And what a great thing to have it be released on Independence Day in America. Because so here's my background, Meg, is that I had never listened to the Hamilton soundtrack, but I knew this was coming. So last week for our show, I said, I think we should do a show about Disney Plus releasing Hamilton. It's a cultural thing. And I think it would be really interesting to talk about even especially now, maybe in 2020, what this musical has to say to us and the casting and the music and all of that. So we were able to book a show on it. But because that was then my responsibility to book, I kind of had to prep myself, right? So now I am listening to the songs. I am texting people like my friend Meg here, like Annie, <laughs> my other friend, who I'm like, I don't know what song to close the show with, or I don't know <laughs> who would be the dream guests for this sort of a show. So we ended up getting Jillian Pensavalli, who I now have her cell phone number, Meg. <gasps> I know. I'm dying because... Present. Oh my gosh. Not <laughs> only does Jillian, of course, have the Hamill cast, right. and that's what her connection is, but she also co-hosts one of my very, very favorite podcasts, True Crime Obsessed. So I'm dying right and now, I knew Kelly. that, and I resisted being like, my friend Meg, she loves your stuff. <laughs> I will just say this, Jillian was, if for anybody who listens to her anywhere, because I think she even has a third podcast, I can't remember which one it is, but she is just as delightful behind the scenes. She was so accommodating and so great oh, to have good. on the show. Anyway, all I'm saying is, as I did some of the research and watch documentaries on um, Lynn, and he has said, this is the story of America then told by America now, right? That was the thing that was so intriguing to me. So in all of this lead up then, I finally watched the musical and listened to it together for the first time this weekend. Yes. And just was like, it's so good. It is so good. I will say this because I have seen some talk in the Hangout and I would love to hear your impression too. In fact, we had a caller to our show ask about kids watching this. And I was like, I have kids, my younger two, probably the ones who are the most interested in watching it, but they did not watch it with me. And now having watched it, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Younger kids, younger than teenagers, teenagers can handle it for oh, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I'm like, it's not even that it's so violent, although I do think that younger kids struggle with the idea of people dying in a duel and, you know, things yes. like that. Yeah. A mother dying very early on, which you don't see. But, you know, there's just a lot of big, real themes here. All of them true betrayal and adult things. And then they're arguing about how they should set up the treasury. So I feel like for a lot of kids, it's pretty deep. It can be dark. The play on time where they're like kind of playing a little bit, they go back and forth can be hard for kids of a certain age that are very straight through in time, literal. What's your think on that? My girls listened to the soundtrack starting when it came out. So four years ago. So that would have been when my older daughter was like 11 and my younger daughter was eight or nine. And 
I will say, I think that kids are naturally drawn just towards act one, which is a lot of fun, upbeat music. And, you know, it deals with the American Revolution. And it certainly talks about soldiers dying and these types of things. And so that is, in some sense, a little bit heavier. But both of my girls, starting back then, they never even had listened to act two, maybe an occasional song here and there, but they had never even listened to act two of their own choice until we saw it on TV the other night. And so they did know, and I had told them because they were kind of like, well, what happens at the end? And this was a few years ago. So I kind of painted with very broad strokes about Alexander Hamilton, some of the choices he made, how his marriage fell apart and that ended his, you know, hopes for being a presidential candidate and like kind of just hit the highlights in a kid appropriate way and just told them. I told them about how Philip, the oldest son of the Hamiltons, dies. And that was hard. But they just, again, by nature, as being kids, were just never super interested in actually engaging act two. And I will say, even when we watched it on TV, now, Daisy and I sat next to each other, holding hands and bawling through the last half of act two. AJ, even at 12, somebody who's super familiar with this cast has been a fan from the beginning. It was a little long for her and a little heavy for her. So she was tuning out at some points. All of that to say, I personally would not think that my seven-year-old twins would ever be interested in. I think that's pretty young in terms of just having any grasp of what's going on. Right. Well, and the language is so fast, right? I it's mean, that's, so fast. That's the thing. And they're yeah. using big words. I mean, as an adult, it is a wonder and an art. It is a marvel. But as a kid, I think it would just whoop over their head. Yeah. I think that there is a lot that goes over their head. So I do think that some of the innuendo that you might pick up on here and there as an adult, I think it totally goes over kids' heads. So I definitely think if you have kids in that tween category, I would say preview at first. Every parent's going to know what their kids are up for. Maybe they just see act one and that's totally fine. Or maybe they're ready for the whole thing. There's certainly super mature 11 and 12 year olds out there who could totally handle the whole thing. But that's kind of how we handled it. And again, I just have to say that they just were not that super into act two. Now, Daisy at 15, closing in on 16, totally got the emotion and the dynamics and everything that was happening. So, yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And that's just one thing I thought in some ways, it felt very adult to me that a kid can appreciate some of the fun music and King George, who's real goofy. But I just know that there's probably some awesomes who maybe haven't seen Hamilton, just like me. And you're thinking, well, this is history. Should I be watching this with my kids? That would be my feedback too, is that I think teens and above, if they're interested, will enjoy it. I think under that, it would have to be something for sure, preview it and then just know your kid if they're going to be really into history and following it, or if they're just, it is long too. It's three hours, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not a little commitment. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. So many words about Hamilton and I am not sorry. <laughs> no, I kind of feel like, can we just play the music for the rest of this episode and just call it a day? Yeah. I don't know. Copyright? Hmm. <laughs> Well, I know that you do actually, too, have some awesome to share with us. So what is your awesome of the week this week? I do. But I think maybe the reason I wanted you to go first, I completely second that idea, is that your awesome is so awesome. Oh, yeah. It is also my honorary awesome. Oh, good. Yes, we agree. Yes. I did have to bring something. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys, I'm bringing you a recipe that I think you can make all year, but it's great in the summer. And here's why I'm bringing it to you right now is that it is ding dang hot everywhere in the US that I know of, almost, you know, like I'm sure some places up in the Pacific Northwest or maybe cool, but everywhere else, it's just a very hot and steamy summer. 
And we just recently realized we have a ranch house. And so we do all of our main living on the main level. And so then there's the basement where my teenagers sleep. So it's much cooler down there. But just even boiling water in my kitchen raises the temperature in our house. It is insane. Like we keep our thermostat pretty high. It's at 78 is where my husband likes to keep it. But the other day I was like vacuuming and dripping. Oh, yes. I was wearing workout clothes. So I'm like, I went and found one of my little fridge thermometers and put it out. And I was like, it is 82. It is not 78. Like it cannot (laughs) keep up in here. Yes. So I am doing everything I can now because it's been so hot to say like, we cannot turn the stove on. Like, what can we do? Some summers it's more important than others. So this is a crock pot grill, only cook as much as you have to sort of summer for me. And this is a recipe that fills that order. So this is from one of my very favorite food bloggers. Her name is Amy at Chew Out Loud. She's actually a friend. Like we did mops together here in the Twin Cities. Oh, so fun. Fantastic. And in fact, as I was just there looking up this recipe, I found a whole bunch of other recipes that I'm going to try. I love what she does and how she cooks. So I'm going to point in the show notes to her recipe, which is, if you guys don't know what chicken shawarma is, it is a Middle Eastern dish usually served in a pita. If you were really going to make it really very authentically, it is like a bunch of meat roasted on a spit, carved off in like little slices, you know, kind of like a gyro. But who has that in their kitchen, right? So this is taking all of the flavors of chicken shawarma and letting you make it yourself. What she wants you to do is get a bunch of chicken thighs. And this is kind of like my chicken tacos, you guys. If you can at all, I don't like dark meat that much either. But chicken thighs cook up so much more you're going to say it. I'm not, I'm not resisting that word. <laughs> mm, uh, they're tender and flavorful and juicy. Juicy. Yes, that's a good alternative. That's good. <laughs> I'm going to urge you strongly to do that. What she wants you to do is get the chicken thighs, cut them into quarters, pour on a little olive oil, and then make a dry rub of spices that you're going to then just mush in to those chicken thighs and let them sit for overnight. Theoretically, that would be great in your fridge before you cook them the next day. So it's not a ton of work. And the spices are like paprika, cumin, garlic and onion powder, allspice, turmeric, salt, cinnamon, pepper, cayenne. It is really a explosion of smells and flavors. It is those spices that make this dish is that wonderful Middle Eastern flavor. And then she has you, once that's done, you're going to cook that in the oven for a few minutes. It's not even that long. And then she has you take it back out of the oven. You're roasting it, chop it up and put it back under broil. I'd made this recipe a few times. A, cutting up chicken thighs into quarters is no small thing. It is nasty. They don't quarter very easily. And there's like a lot of fat, which you kind of need. So that was not fun, A. And then turning the oven on, roasting them, taking them back out so they're kind of cool enough that you can chop them up and put it back in. I was like, this seems to be a lot of work. So what I've started to do is I just put it in a slow cooker for the whole first portion. I just throw chicken thighs right in there. I don't even actually use the olive oil all the time. I just sprinkle my spices on it, mix it up, cook it, boom. So you can do four hours at high, six, eight hours at low. So they're nice and kind of shredded. And then I take them out with some tongs, try not to break it up too much, put it on a big half cake sheet pan that has tinfoil on it. So I don't even have to do cleanup. And I just put that under the broiler so that you're getting some crispy edges is what we're after here, right? You want a little crispy edges and that's it. And you guys, it is... So good. It is such an easy recipe. And it is one of those, like the chicken tacos, that you can use in lots of ways. So we often serve it 
I will also post a recipe to my new favorite tzatziki sauce that I mm, make. Yes. Which people are going to the farmer's market. Your gardens start to be producing some cucumbers. This is shredded cucumber, Greek yogurt, garlic, I think some white wine vinegar, although I often sometimes just will use lemon juice if you have that. It's stuff that you probably have. So you can make that yourself. And then we put those on non bread or a pita bread with some tomato slices, that sort of a thing. You could also put it in a rice bowl if you wanted to, or on a salad. I've been eating the leftovers of the most recent chicken shawarma that I made. Just I cut up a bunch of lettuce, put some tomatoes on, put some chicken shawarma on top, and then I top it with tzatziki sauce like that would be my dressing. It is fantastic. Kids really like it. My kids all love it. It's super customizable. That's what I think they like about it. This is a chicken with some flavor. It's not super spicy. Like it's not hot spicy. It's spicy, flavorful spicy. They can eat it on a pita with just meat and bread. And then you can serve them some broccoli or some carrots on the side. They can do it that way or they can be more adventurous if they want. So this has become one of my go-to recipes. It's like a slow thing. Like where I first made it and I'm like, I like this. I like this. And then once I discovered that I could do this in the slow cooker and take all that other work out, then it's become like a big go-to. So chicken shawarma, you guys, we will link all of this stuff in the show notes. And again, I will link you to the real recipe. By all means, try it Amy's way first if you want to, or I will add my adaptations to just do it in the slow cooker right there. Love it. Yes. I fell in love with chicken shawarma when I was in Lebanon and I make it often because it is, it's really kid-friendly food, which even if your kids are a little bit more like grown-up food resistant. This one is really good because like you said, it's filled with spice flavor, but it's not hot spicy. So, so good. Okay. Well, we had a lot of awesome to cover this week, you guys. So you can definitely find links in the show notes for our awesomes of the week. We of course want to hear what's awesome in your life right now. So come and find us if you haven't already. We would love to have you join us over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. And of course, we're always talking about what's awesome every single Friday in the Hangout group. So you can find us there at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Hey friends, lots of us are spending so much more time at home this summer than we usually do. And that means it is the perfect time to gather up your family's favorite memories that are not yet preserved digitally and get them sent on into Legacy Box. You guys know that Legacy Box is a super simple mail-in service and they will take all of your videotapes, your camcorder tapes, film reels, pictures, and digitally preserve them onto a thumb drive, a DVD, or in the cloud. If your parents are anything like mine, then they have boxes and boxes of old videotapes and tons of photos that are just collecting dust stashed away in closets or the attic. I hate to tell you this, but the longer they're in storage, the worse shape those memories will be in when you decide to digitize. Now, I've told you guys before that we sent in our wedding album to have it digitally preserved, and I am so thankful that we did. We got tons of updates all along the way from Legacy Box. They made us feel so comfortable and so secure in knowing that those precious memories will be preserved for so many years to come. Legacy Box makes the whole process so easy and so affordable. You pack up and send your memories to them. Their team digitizes everything by hand. They send everything back to you perfectly preserved. So awesome. Get started future-proofing 
improving your memories today so that you can gather the family and begin that trip down memory lane together. Plus, for a limited time, take 50% off of Legacy Box with their Cyber Summer Sale in July. Get started for just $34.99. Order today to lock in this incredible offer and then send it in whenever you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com awesome and save 50% off while supplies last. Hey, awesomes. You know, it might sound funny, but summer is actually the perfect time to take a little time to pamper your skin and yourself. And if I'm going to pamper and take care of my skin, I want to do it the right way. And that is why I absolutely love True Botanicals. True Botanicals skin and body products deliver results without toxins. So you can feel good while you're taking care of yourself at home. True Botanicals uses the latest scientific advances and centuries-old botanical extracts to create all-natural formulas in their products. Like their hydrating face cleansers and their face oils, they have lines for aging, for breakout-prone skin, for sensitive skin. They have nutrient-packed serums that are perfect for your at-home self-care routine. My girls and I have been giving each other facials a couple of nights a week just for fun. We are absolutely obsessed with True Botanicals Pacific Glacial Clay Detoxifying Mask. It feels incredible incredible putting it on and our skin absolutely glows with our purified pores after we do that mask. Every True Botanicals formula is made safe certified. That means it's made without over 5,000 known toxic ingredients. But unlike most non-toxic products, True Botanicals solutions actually work to repair skin issues. You have just got to try True Botanicals for yourself. So get 15% off of your first purchase at truebotanicals.com awesome. That's 15% off of your first purchase at truebotanicals.com com slash awesome true botanicals.com slash awesome. All right. Like I said, at the top of the show, Kelly and I are going to be talking about some things, some silly, some a little bit more serious things that we wish that somebody would have told us that we have since discovered. Now we are here to tell you what it is we've learned. Maybe we can save you a little time, a little stress, a little effort by sharing some of these things with you. Kelly, why don't you kick us off with the first thing on your list? Okay. So here's a thing awesome that I didn't think about back when we did the show in March. But this has truly been one of those things I wish I had thought about younger because I think it would have saved me so much heartache and possibly my kids. And it is, I'm going to call it the grit to quit. Ooh, that sounds good. Okay, let's hear about it. Here's the thing is that at least for me, in the way I was raised, I think this is kind of American. I think this is kind of white evangelical Christian. There's a lot of emphasis, and not in a bad way, put on learning to persevere, learning to stick it out, especially in my, because I grew up so deeply immersed, like my culture really was this white evangelical Christian American culture. It was like, our culture doesn't know how to stick anything out. They just give up right away. We don't want to be quitters. We want to stick it out, right? So this applies to piano lessons. It applies to sports. It applies to your college. It applies to your marriage. Like stick it out, learn how not to quit, suck it up, buttercup, and keep going, right? And there's, again, some good things about that. There are some areas in life where it would be easy to quit and we learn and we reap fruit on the other side that's of good things when we stick things out. However, that was all I learned. What I didn't learn is that it also sometimes takes grit to quit some things. It really does. That there is just as much value in us learning for ourselves and then teaching maybe the children or the other people in our life that there are times that it is okay and in fact good to quit something as it is to stick it out. 
The wisdom is in knowing the difference, right? This was where I really had this, and it was almost a literal light bulb moment, was when my oldest, Natalie, was in high school. She was having a really hard time. You guys mind me telling you that she has depression. She was in a very dark season. And she was going to school and hating it, like had for years been hating it. When she was in junior high at her private school, she didn't do it some bullying. And then when she went to the public school, she just was not over that. So even though it wasn't a particularly bad environment, it wasn't as welcoming, you know, it was just hard. It was super, super hard. And we kept saying, well, you know, you need to finish school and we don't want you to quit things and just try it this way. Just try it this way. Just try it this way. And we tried and we tried and we tried. And I remember that between her sophomore and junior year, she was home and she seemed to be much better through the summer. But of course, it was summer. And that was right, I think, when she'd also started on some medication. So we weren't sure which it was. And I took her back to school to get her locker set up a few days before school, her junior year. And she had a panic attack, like her first panic attack walking into the school building and got to the car and was sobbing sobbing and saying, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't go back into that place again. I can't do this again. And my heart was really broken because I thought, why are we, at some point, do we say it is okay? Let's find a different path. Like you have tried. And I think that was what really spoke to me was that good night. This girl is so sweet and she's so responsible that when we kept saying, just stick it out, just stick it out, it will get better, you know, try to stay open. She was. And so that was the moment where she was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this to me. That I said, why are we making you do this to you? You know, like, why do we keep saying, keep trying and not say, you know what, you've tried. We don't need to keep doing this. And so that was really when we did change. We went to her counselor, she started to do post-secondary I mean, things really did change for her. But there was this real eye-opening thing for me to say, I don't know. Like quitting anything brings on so much guilt and even shame that I haven't stuck it out, that I haven't figured out a way that I did not know how to walk my daughter through making this decision of when is it going to be more harmful to stay than to go. So I wanted to say this partly because I know we've had some discussions in the hangout group with people saying, my kid's in soccer and he really hates it now, but he wanted to do it. When do I let him quit or do I let him quit? And for sure, this is a very personal thing. You know your kid. I'm not here to tell you how to parent. I'm only saying that I think that there are times it is okay to let kids quit things, even mid-season. You know, Mm -hmm. like I know Mm -hmm. some people say, well, you're going to finish the season. If it's an eight-week community ed, you know, soccer, I can see that. I also think that there are times when we say, this is serving no one. It's not teaching them anything. It's teaching them just how to hate this thing. And that maybe it would be better for us as a parent to say, so how do we think we got here? How do we get into this mess? What could we learn differently to go next time? Instead of saying, well, the only way you're going to learn is if you finish it, if you stick it out through this year, you know, and there are lots of things that come into play. If you're on a team and you're going to be leaving a hole for that team. Sometimes I think there's value in staying if you're in a drama, something like that. I know that we did similar time frame. Let Kieran, our youngest, he was in baseball. He wanted to be in baseball. And then he got to baseball. All you really wanted to do is be goofy and like play with his friends. Yeah. He didn't want to practice. He yeah. didn't want to do anything the coach said. Yeah. And so he was actually mm-hmm. more of a distraction than anything. And at mm. first we were like, you wanted to do this. You're doing it. And then halfway through, I thought like everybody's miserable. He's not learning anything. He's just sitting over on the side the whole time because he refuses to play and the coach doesn't know what to do with him. So he just Mm -hmm. sits like with his head in his glove for an hour and a half. 
All the other kids don't know yeah. what to do with him. The coach doesn't know what to do with him. We're just sitting there mad, not even watching him play. Why are we doing this to ourselves? So again, I was like, okay, here's what we have learned, right? And we let him quit halfway through. I did feel, and I still, you know, like there's just residual like guilt that comes up because quitting anything is bad, but I don't think it's always a bad thing. And that's what I wanted to say that I think I needed to learn and now trying to teach my kids. Well, yeah. And I think that's such a great point is that what we want to do as parents is help equip our kids for what life is going to look like once they're out on their own. And so if we can kind of, while they're in the sort of training ground of what life is like in our family life, then we can be teaching them, how do you discern? How do you really think through what is the right path to take? And to understand that sometimes you have to stop the path that you're on to be able to find the right path forward. And so if they can experience that in the low stakes context of, you know, like you said, baseball, soccer, you know, whatever we're talking about, you know, of course, kids sports, but of course, it's highly applicable. If we can let them experience that in a low stakes thing as children, as teenagers, then they're going to be that much more prepared as they go out into the world when the stakes are higher. So. Right. Exactly. And we do that as adults. I mean, I think most of us have been at a job that's been miserable and we said, I'm going to look for another job. We didn't say, this is the job I got when I was 20. You know, I got to stay here. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, though, in older generations, and that's part of why I think both Corey and I, you know, his dad had the same job his whole life. Like, that's what you do. They had the same house. You don't change things. You just deal. So the idea, I know that that's why it's been kind of revolutionary for us to be like, no, we don't have to stay in these things. So I guess all I'm saying is balance, too. I'm not trying to swing us over too much onto one pendulum. I'm just saying I think that we teach our kids how to persevere, which is good. We also need to teach them how and when to quit. So good. So good. All right. Well, the first one on my list is super lightweight. (laughs) Talk about low stakes. (laughs) (laughs) But it's highly applicable to the season that we are in, not just the season of life, but the season of summer. (laughs) My very favorite thing about summer grocery shopping, summer recipes and summer food is avocados. Hmm. Kelly, I love an avocado. I love them. And it's so great when they're finally in season. However, I will say, that I have spent so many years of my life with avocados just sitting in a windowsill in my kitchen, hoping that they'll ripen. Because of course, when you get them at the grocery store, for the most part, now we do have some good grocery stores that will have a bin, especially in the summer with like super ripe avocados that you can go in and just buy them. They're already getting a little mushy. You can use them that day. But most of the time when they come from the grocery store, they still need to ripen. And so I can't tell you how many times I would have one sitting in the windowsill and it's just sitting up there by itself and it takes forever or even sometimes it literally never does ripen. Right. Or sometimes they go from like hard to brown and holes in the inside. Overnight, you're like, well, where was the stage where I could have used you? Yes, exactly. And avocados, they're tricky little creatures like that because even under the best of circumstances, once they hit that ripe, zone. You got to go. It's go, go, go. Get your avocado toast. Get your guacamole. We're doing all the avocados because now they're ripe. (laughs) But I found that the secret to this, this actually came from like a website that's like the avocado board or something like that. I finally had to give it a goog, figure out how do you get your avocados to ripen? And what a wonderful thing, especially if you do have kids, because you almost always are going to have, at least we do, a bunch of bananas also on the countertop. And so if you will put your 
avocados that need to be ripened next to your ripe or ripening bananas. Kelly, it's like magic. They ripen right up. I never knew this. I was literally in my 40s before I knew this. So oh, yeah, that's, one of I hope other, that's why we're sharing it here. I hope other people can be blessed by this avocado life hack, avocado wisdom, whatever you want to call it. Put your avocados next to some ripening bananas and you'll be able to enjoy them so much sooner. And I do think it's like a better ripening. You do get that actual, like the good ripe avocado, not the almost, I can't use this avocado. Right. Yeah. I will say too, now, I don't know that this is approved by the avocado board, Uh but (laughs) I love avocados so much that I have a hard time believing that I cannot have them all the time, you know, (laughs) only when they're ripe. I have a hard time accepting that life truth. So I have started to buy the smaller avocados. Do you know what I'm talking about? They sell them in bags at Trader Joe's. Yeah, Trader Joe's has them. Mm -hmm. The nice thing I think is that that's like one serving to me. Like that's an avocado toast versus having half of a ripe avocado. And then you're like, well, somebody's got to eat this other half really quick. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I started to buy those. But Meg, once they get ripe, if I can catch them when they're just, just ripe, if you put them in the fridge, they do last longer ripe them. Like I can make them last a week at that ripe stage, not forever, Good to know. but it's like, it slows down. It's like, they've got to ripen out on the counter, not in the fridge, but if you can catch them and then put them in the fridge, they'll last for a few more days. So then I can have as many ripe avocados as I want. Cause baby, I am right there with you. Yep. Love so, good. so good. Okay. What's next on your list? Okay. So I'm going to say this one because it seems to fit. This is one thing that again, people who garden or who grew up with a green thumb are going to go, really? You didn't know this. (laughs) But I'm going to say it because I didn't believe it either. When I first started to garden, when we moved back to the upper Midwest from California, we had this big garden and this amazing black loamy soil that everything we planted in just grew. I planted an entire row of basil plants, like from seed, a row So people said when you really want to grow a good basil plant, like nice and bushy, you need to pinch it. Like you need to take off leaves to get more leaves. And I thought, what? How? Like why? Why? What? Yes. Uh I don't know that I believe you really. And also, likewise, I had a really good friend at the time. She owned a nursery and I would buy plants from her and she'd say, well, just deadhead the plants and then they'll get bushy and you'll have more flowers. And I would go, "Uh uh-huh, okay. Oh, yeah, deadhead. Sure, I know that. Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what that means. So pinching and deadheading are similar concepts. And I have now, I believe it. Okay, good. Yes. (laughs) What this means is the reason that I was reluctant to try it at the beginning is I did not want to take leaves off of my basil plants and then not use them because that's what I, you know, like they're saying, basically, you just have to throw some of this stuff away unless you can use it all right away. But like just. You want to take off some now, like sacrifice it now so that you can have more later. And I was like, I don't know. I kind of live in a scarcity mindset. And I got like a whole basil plant right there. So you're telling me you want me to take half the plant off, throw it away, theoretically. Or you're like, use the what you can and then throw it away so that you can have more later. I don't buy that. But it's true, you guys. It really is true. Just with basil, there's lots of plants and flowers this is happening with. You have to cut off some and it makes two more in its place. So tomato plants, same thing. Like they say, get the suckers that grow up in between. And I was always like, well, it's a plant. Shouldn't I let it just grow? I just want to let it it live its life. (laughs) Seems very harsh. (laughs) Yes. But it's true. 
So now I have gotten to be very good about pinching my basil to taking off those leaves. And I have gotten better about even just being like, well, I can't use all of this, but it's going to be better in the long run. I still, I am not the queen of the hanging pot. Like I just, I'm always struggling with that. So I have one right now that I just, over the weekend, like they say, just take scissors to it, you know? So I cut off a bunch on the top and then I've left some on the bottom. It looks kind of like a stringy haired... <laughs> I don't know. It's got like a few different like green. I don't know if it's going to survive you guys. Maybe I'll take a picture and share it on this sort of awesome account if you dare. But this is what they say to do. And so if you like me are like, why do other people like why when I drive around town and I see these hanging baskets, they're so full and lush, even in the middle of summer, like how they looked when I bought mine. This is the secret. Cut it. You got to cut it way back. They like it. I don't they know. They like it. They do look bad for a couple weeks or maybe a week if it's a vegetable sort of a plant, vegetable or fruit. But this is what you have to do. So I am here to tell you, I wish I had known earlier, to pinch your plants. Cut it, pinch it, abuse them. Abuse Make them. them. Work. <laughs> they like <laughs> Make it. Make them earn their keep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds That is so bad. good. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one on my list, something that I had kind of always heard, but I'm like you with the pinching and the deadheading and the cutting of your plant. I had always heard this. I didn't fully believe it. Now I'm here to testify it's true. Having puppies is actually good for your mental health. It's been good for my mental health during this quarantine season. So I shared, uh, gosh, it's been a little while back, back at the beginning, near the beginning of quarantine, that in April, we brought home two Boston Terrier puppies, two sisters, litter mates. And they were so tiny, Kelly. They're getting so big. Puppies will do it. We're going to have to share some photos of your puppers. Of the puppers, yes. <laughs> if I could get them to hold still, they are so busy. But here is the thing. They are so busy, Kelly, that I do take them on at least one walk a day. Get them out there. Get some of that puppy energy out, especially first thing in the morning. We have our routine. The thing I love about dogs they learn the rhythms and the routines. They have these internal clocks. They know when it's six o'clock that I'm going to let them out. I'm going to feed them. And then I'm going to put the baby in the backpack carrier. And we're all going to go for a walk, get them on their harnesses. We're going to go for a walk. And like clockwork, we do it every morning. What I did not really realize, there's so much research out there about how good pets are for people for your mental health, because like petting your pet, talking to your pet, caring for your pet can help lower your blood pressure and do all kinds of good things for your body. But when it comes to the puppies, like somebody's got to take them for a walk. I like to do it, especially first thing in the morning. And Kelly, taking that daily walk, even if it's just 20 to 30 minutes, has been so good for my mental health. Quarantine has been hard for lots of people. I will be the first to raise my hand and say, mental health has not been great over here. But having that daily, it's like, I don't have a choice. That's the thing about having puppies versus not having puppies. No puppies. If I'm like, oh, it's already a little hot outside or I didn't get up early enough or whatever, then I can just be like, I'll catch my walk tomorrow. The puppies do not care. <laughs> the puppies will be walked every day. So having that daily thing that's like, nope, get up, get those shoes on. We're going has been so good. Just especially with my anxiety for me, getting that daily exercise in, getting out of the house. Nico almost always kind of falls back to sleep when we're out for our walk. And so I'll just put on some earbuds and I've got the puppies. And so I'm listening to audiobooks. I'm listening to podcasts. Sometimes I'm listening to, especially I've started recently going back to my 
prayer app that I love so much, Hallow, and doing some morning prayer contemplation. It's just been the hugest blessing. So yes, they are so fun and cute and they make the kids so happy and we are loving them, but it has genuinely benefited my health in so many ways to get our little puppy girls. So that's very true. It's a huge thing. I would say, you know, because we got a puppy around the same time and she is not good at walking yet. We have this big fenced in backyard, so we can just like let her play out there, play with her. So I am actually looking forward to that. And I think that we're at the stage where it would be good. She is at that stage. And I bet your puppies are too. I say it's like a human three-year-old. They are either getting into trouble, making noise, or sleep. They're like human three-year-olds. They are either getting into trouble, demanding your attention, or they're asleep. Like there's no Mm -hmm. in between. That's exactly right. right. Yes. So she is always, Cassie, our puppy is like, play with me, play with me, play with me. And if we can play with her for 20 minutes, she's like zongs out. She'll take a nap, right? So I'm like, if we could get into this walk schedule, that would help. But at the beginning, she was afraid of cars, but she's older now. And I think she'd do better. I do think that that's one of the big reasons why pets help us is that they do, as far as mental health goes, is that they just need to be cared for and they force us to do the things that we know we should be doing for ourselves anyway. And so that makes me really happy. It's so true. All right, Awesomes, guess who has made a big splash in the Awesome community? It's Billy. Billy is the company that has recreated everyday essentials by delivering premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. There's no pink tax, there's no visits to the drugstore, and no breaking the bank. Awesomes in our community have told us they are absolutely loving their razors from Billy. And you can check it out for yourself too when you go to mybilly.com and get their starter kit for just $9. It includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry in between uses. Billy is all about treating yourself well beyond just when you're shaving. They have released three completely clean must-have products to add to your routine. Lip balm, dry shampoo, and face wipes. It's the perfect time to stock up. So many of you have agreed with me that Billy gives you the smoothest shave ever. That razor absolutely floats over your skin. And I don't think it's just me, but I do not have to shave for days after using Billy. So go check them out. Go to mybilly.com to meet the razor that made everyone start talking about razors. And to express a little love for Sorta Awesome, go to mybilly.com slash awesome. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash awesome. That's spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash awesome. Okay, what's next on your list? Okay, so I have one more and it is actually something that occurred to me this weekend talking with one of my best friends. Her daughter is graduating this year, class of 2020. Bless their hearts, right? They're putting together kind of like a socially distanced, how do we do a grad party, you know, in this age outside. And so she's been working on some posters. And of course, as you do, this is her oldest. So she's like, I'm going back and looking. And she's like, you know what I wish? And I would tell parents today, especially if you have younger kids, is take more videos. And I thought, you know what? This doesn't apply just to them. It applies to us too. Like we look back because we didn't have video cameras, easily accessible, really even cameras, like not on your phone the way we do today. When my 19-year-old and her 18-year-old were young, we didn't have that. So we just don't have as many videos. But it's the videos that really take you back to those moments, even more than pictures. And really, sometimes it's the silliest little videos. You don't have to videotape their entire piano recital. It's like just taping them talking to you, taking a bath, 
you know, just doing the silly little things they do, how they wake up in the morning, their little snorts and snuffles and how they do it to be able to hear them and see them. It's almost too much for my heart. Yes. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> I know, right? It's it so is. true. It's, yes. It is. It's very true. I think graduation is always kind of a tender season. Oh gosh. Yes. I just think I miss my babies so much. And I look at my kids and I say, I love you. I just miss them. Like I don't have them anymore. I have you and I'm so glad to have you. Yeah. But both are true. Yes. 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 So I'm trying to keep that in mind, even for me and not just do that. Oh, well, you know, the years you'll miss them when they've grown. And there's that mother who's like got a toddler hanging off of her and a baby. And then she's like, really, are you sure about that? Even now we can take more videos. Someday I'm going to look back and say, I don't remember all my kids being at home. Mm. I still have them all here. They're not at that cute little stage where they're waking up from naps anymore. But still, like, I need to be taking more videos of just daily life because these are precious. And I just think it's something that you can do. I used to be better at journaling than I am now. And videoing in some ways is like, it's that same idea. It's like taking a snapshot of what's happening right before you. So, yeah. It's so true. And it's like you said, don't just bust out the video on your phone. I was going to say video camera. I remember when I was a kid, only like the wealthy parents had camcorders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My parents never did. When, yeah, when <laughs> Natalie was a baby, when I was pregnant with her, I think actually, we bought a camcorder to have because nobody in our family had even had one up to that point. Right. Yes. But now most of us can just grab our phone, but don't just do it. I do this, especially having older kids. You're like, oh, I'm going to do the school program or whatever. Those are fine and fun. But when I look back through my videos on my camera roll, I love those little just daily moments. Oh, so precious to me. So that's such a good reminder. I love it so much and I need to do it more. So I'm glad you're giving me this reminder. And I'm sure lots of awesomes need to hear that too. And also video yourself. I'm getting more and more comfortable with that. I hope to have a collection of like, this is what I was like in this moment in life. So even if you don't have kids, turn that video camera around on yourself and get yourself on camera too, for sure. All right. The last one that I want to talk about, I think you and I both have some thoughts and feelings about this. I don't even know, Kelly, what it was that brought this to mind to me again, because this is a concept that I have heard about before. I wish I would have learned about it a long time ago. And it's this concept of ask culture versus guest culture. Mm -hmm. Some of you are like, what are you even talking about? And then others of you are like, oh, wait, I think I've heard about that. A little context for you. This whole discussion really began on a message board on the internet back in 2007 with a woman, I think, is that a woman? Yes, a woman named Andrea Dondary was posting on an Ask Metafilter post. Again, this was a long time ago on the internet, but there was kind of this idea of like, if a friend of yours was coming into town and wanted to stay at your house while they're in town, if they just straight out asked you, hey, I'm going to be in town, can I crash at your place? Would you consider that to be like a little offensive in the forwardness of asking? Or would you be like, oh yeah, I'm so glad you asked. You know, either give the answer, yeah, we'd love to have you or no, that won't work. And she says, like, how you think about that type of question indicates if you maybe have a mindset that's more ask culture or guest culture. So in ask culture, you kind of come out with the expectation that it's okay to ask for anything at all. And you totally understand that sometimes you're going to get no for an answer. It's fine. At least you ask. Guest culture, you really avoid putting a request into words unless you're pretty sure 
the answer is going to be yes. Unless you've kind of put out some feelers, you've tried to figure out, would this be okay if, if I kind of subtly bring it up? If I go about this totally roundabout, maybe they'll even say, oh, well, hey, why don't you come stay with us while you're in town? And then you don't have to ask. But you still have put planted the seeds of information there. And that's guest culture. Okay, listen, no one's going to be surprised. I'm totally guest culture. <laughs> Me too. In fact, reading that article the first time I read it years ago, it was so illuminating because yes. it explained so much about other relationships in my life that are not guest culture. Right, exactly. Well, I'm a guest culture person who happens to be married to an ask culture person. And so, you know, Kyle just asked people to do things or be like, you should ask so-and-so to do this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what? That is so rude. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so Kelly, like you said, it would have been so helpful to hear this a long time ago because all of us do have people. I mean, most of us can kind of sort into one of these. Of course, some people are going to be kind of in the middle. An interesting part of this dynamic, I read another article talking about it. It said with either people that we're really close to or complete strangers, that most of us, even guessers, are totally comfortable with ask culture. Like if you are really, I could ask my sister, will you do this? Can you do that? And not worry about, I wouldn't have to do the whole dance of trying to figure out what the dynamic is, like if she's going to say yes or not. And they also said, you know, if it's a complete stranger, maybe because again, the stakes aren't as high. If they say no, then it's like, oh, well, you don't even know me. Why would you have said yes? And you just kind of go on with your life. But that for people who are of ask culture, they truly are like so befuddled when somebody doesn't just come right out and ask the thing. <laughs> it's not offensive to them at all. I think one of the things that was interesting to me is that when I started to really run into people in my life that were they're kind of permanently that were of the ass culture that I was like, don't they even realize how much energy it takes for me to then like say yes. no? I'm right. mad that they asked me, first of all, and I'm mad that I'm having to say no because in my culture, you don't even ask. So like, I feel like bad about myself and I'm mad at you. Like it's this yes. crisis. Yes, it's so true. It really does bring that dynamic into it because for a guesser, the idea of actually putting something out there and then being told no, it's like so horrifying. But then to, so to an asker, they're just like, well, yeah, I mean, if I can't, it's not going to work. I'm just going to say no. And then, yeah. So it's like, just like this whole fascinating dynamic. And again, I cannot, I don't know if this came up in the hangout group recently or something. I don't know. I've come across I this concept I think it was you, me before. and Rebecca. We had found the article and we were like, oh my gosh, I'd forgotten about this concept. Maybe that's that we were what it was. It. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I just think it is so fascinating. And I'll put a link in the show notes to an article from The Atlantic that really gives a great overview of what the concept is. But I just want you all to think about like right now, am I a person who has no problem asking directly for things? In fact, I presume everybody would want to just be asked directly. And I'm going to tell you my honest answer. Or am I a person who really takes the time to like kind of delicately, like I said, kind of dance around it, kind of put out feelers until I'm absolutely sure that somebody's going to say yes before I make that ask. So once I knew that there were these two ways of looking at the world or that, you know, generally, obviously people are a spectrum, but it helped me to say, okay, if this person is an ask person, then I can say no and not have to worry about it as much because I'm yes. assuming that everybody was like me, right? Yes, absolutely. They were all a guest culture. So then when people would say things and I would, again, I'm still like never not taken aback a little bit. 
by the boldness of their request. But then I just say, nope. And they go, okay. Yeah. And, and they like, move on. That's all it took. That's all it was. <laughs> right. And then likewise, I can be a little bit more, you know, like I think ass culture is actually really good. It's upfront. You don't get your feelings hurt. There's no passive aggressiveness in it. So I really am drawn to ass culture in many ways if everybody's on that same playing field. However, yes. obviously, as I well know, we are not all on the same playing field. So then if I can know that my friends, my family, whoever is more of a guest culture, then I'm not going to treat them like they're from ass culture. So it's like learning to be bilingual. Once you see this and you can kind of figure out how people operate, it helps me to operate with them in a way that makes the most sense and is clear. Because, oh my word, don't you think communication in a guest culture, unless you're both guessers, if you're working with a guest and an ask, it's just like this constant loop of miscommunication. Oh, yeah. Because yes. you're not saying the same things, right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. it created so much tension in some relationships in my life because I just didn't get that. So then it's like, once you can just say, oh, you're speaking that language, I can speak that language for a little while. Sure. It's not my natural, but I can do that. Oh, exactly. Makes exactly. so many things easier. And I'm like you, I find myself wanting to be more in that vein of things because I do think there's some really good, healthy things about number one, being able to ask for what you want. And also like in that thing of being able to say, and I understand I got to do the self-talk before I make the ask. I understand this person might say no, and it's not a personal thing. They're not going to be mad at me. They don't, you know, whatever. Like the answer might be no. And no is an okay answer. <laughs> you know? Right. And that you're okay to have your own asks. You know, like you don't have to filter what they're going to do before you decide what you want. Exactly. And for a, Enneagram 9, that is a huge thing to really try to incorporate and internalize. And also it's helping me to get better at saying no. To be able to say, there are times that things just don't work for me and I can just say, no, that won't work or no, whatever. So yeah, I think there's a lot for a guest culture person to learn. And I think as culture people, they want to, they can learn about why these people in their lives use so many words and take so long. <laughs> and have all of these feelers out. I do think it's yes. harder for an ask person who's like, I don't understand yeah. why you yeah, operate yeah, yeah. this way and why it's beneficial at all. I think that we're trying to be gentle with everybody is probably like the motivation. But totally. yes, I agree. I think that... As a guesser, I can learn a lot and have admiration for the askers in my life. Totally. Okay, Kelly, this was such a great conversation. I'm going to go back and revisit a conversation we had in the Hangout group where people were sharing some of the things that they wish they had known sooner. I'm going to drop some of those on social media after this show comes out. But this was so good. Thank you so much again just for being able to carve out some time because we have been missing you and your voice and your insights. If people do want to follow up with you, talk about this or anything else, awesome related. Where can we find you all around the web? You can find me always in the sort of awesome hangout of the superstars group and also on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN from Minnesota. Okay. And you can find me on social media at sort of awesome Meg. You can find the show on Twitter at sort of awesome pod. And you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash sort of awesome. You guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. 
To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to SortaAwesomeShow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.